0: Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Europe Elects History Corner, where we will be looking back at the 1932 parliamentary election in Ireland, which brought about the first democratic change of government in modern Irish history. As ever, this election was picked by our patrons on Patreon. To join them in supporting Europe Elects's work, and to have a say in future History Corner episodes, in addition to other perks, go to patreon.com forward slash Europe February 1932 the first World Disarmament Conference was held in Geneva, the beginning of dramatically unsuccessful efforts at reducing the world's armed forces. The 1932 Winter Olympics opened in New York. Japan declared Manchukuo's independence from China following the conclusion of its invasion of Manchuria, launched the previous year. Adolf Hitler gained German citizenship in order to contest Germany's presidential election the following month. The Finnish government survived an armed coup attempt by the fascist Lapua movement, and in Ireland, on the 16th of February, voters went to the polls to elect their next parliament, the Dal Erin. From the conclusion of the Irish Civil War in 1923, Ireland had been governed by the centre right Cuman nGael Party, meaning Society of the Gals. na nGael represented the victorious side of the Civil War, fought over the issue of whether to accept the 1921 Anglo Irish Treaty, which kept Ireland under the British Crown and partitioned the island of Ireland between Northern Ireland, which remained part of Britain, and the mostly independent Irish Free State. The party, under the leadership of W.T. Cosgrave, proceeded to win the first post-war election held in 1923 and, after an inconclusive vote in June 1927, was re-elected as a minority government in September 1927. As the first head of government of the Irish Free State, referred to formally at this stage as the President of the Executive Council, Cosgrave lacked the full powers of independence which would be enjoyed by later Irish leaders. Formally. The Free State was a dominion of the British Empire, alongside Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa and Newfoundland, and was governed as a constitutional monarchy under the British Crown, represented by a Governor-General. Though possessing the right to veto legislation, in practice the Governor-General rarely interfered and has even been described as the constitutional prisoner of domestic political institutions. Indeed, all three men to occupy the office were themselves Irish politicians or diplomats, recommended by the Irish government. During Cosgrave's period in office, the Dominions had gradually gained greater autonomy and status. The 1926 Imperial Conference defined Dominions as autonomous communities within the British Empire, in commonwealth with the United Kingdom, rather than subordinate. In 1931, the Statute of Westminster, passed by the Parliament of the United Kingdom, guaranteed legislative autonomy for the Dominions and the freedom to conduct their own foreign policy although the statute would not be formally adopted in Ireland, as the Executive Council insisted it already possessed such autonomy in practice. By 1932, then, the Irish Free State enjoyed most of the benefits of an independent state, and was to most intents and purposes internationally recognised as such, although Republicans and opponents of the Anglo-Irish Treaty continued to demand full separation from Britain. Cosgrave had governed with very little opposition for his first five years in office due to the abstentionist policy pursued by the anti-treaty faction of Sinn Féin. The faction's successor party, Fianna Fáil, the Soldiers of Destiny in English, reversed course in 1927 and took up its seats in the Dáil. As a result, Coombe and Niguel no longer had its working majority after the second 1927 election, though Cosgrave was able to remain in power by striking a deal with the agrarian farmers party and independent members of the Dáil. During his second full term in office, Cosgrave continued his party's state-building efforts, emphasising protection of the Anglo-Irish Treaty and ensuring law and order. Most recently, the government had enacted the Public Safety Bill in late 1931, which banned multiple left-wing and republican organisations and temporarily ended the right to trial by jury, targeted at what Cosgrave described as the menace of unconstitutional action and revolt. In particular, this was a response to the continuing threat posed to the new state by armed republicanism. The Irish Republican Army still existed as an active, albeit diminished, force, estimated at around 5,000 members in 1931, a year in which six political assassinations were carried out. The Coombe-Nagel government also pursued economically conservative policies characterised by low taxation, balanced budgets and free trade, in addition to prioritising agricultural developments over industry. The Irish Free State suffered from high levels of poverty, particularly in rural areas, a problem which was worsened by the Great Depression in the early 1930s, as unemployment rose and emigration to the United States shrank, provoking housing shortages. Cosgrave called the election several months earlier than required, hoping to get it out of the way before economic conditions further deteriorated, while seeking to be safely re-elected ahead of an upcoming Commonwealth meeting and the 31st International Eucharistic Congress in Dublin, a major event for the heavily Catholic country. The election shaped up to be a mostly two-party contest between Cumann na and Fianna Fáil, led by Éamon de Valera, a leading figure in the Irish Revolution and Civil War on the anti-treaty side, who had been confined to the opposition since 1922. Cumann na ran a Conservative campaign focused on its record of providing stability in government, and called for the maintenance of trading relationships with Britain, an important export market for its large farmer-voter base. A significant part of the party's strategy centred upon a negative campaign against Fianna Fáil. One message urged voters to keep the shadow of the gunmen away from their homes, evoking Fianna Fáil's links with the IRA. Koeman Nagel also drew connections between Fianna Fáil and communism, even comparing de Valera to Soviet leader Joseph Stalin. One poster proclaimed, We want no reds here, keep their colour off your flag, next to a red flag obscuring the Irish tricolour. All three of Ireland's main daily newspapers supported Coombe and Nigel's re-election, although provincial newspapers were more evenly split. Fianna Fáil, for its part, pledged social and economic reform, calling for the introduction of protectionist measures, reduced economic dependence on Britain, which still accounted for 90% of exports and 80% of imports, and increased housing and social security support. The party also demanded that land annuities owed to Britain as part of the Anglo-Irish treaty should be suspended, and used instead to fund rural infrastructure projects. These economic policies developed greater credibility as the global economic situation continued to deteriorate. While avoiding overt displays of republicanism in an attempt to blunt Kuma Niguel's attacks, Fianna Fáil did campaign to abolish the Oath of Allegiance to the Crown, required for new members of the Dáil, and reduce the powers of the Governor-General. Though dominated by the two major parties representing each Civil War faction, a number of smaller parties also contested the election, Ireland's third party, the centre-left Labour Party, had provided the bulk of the opposition to Coombe and Nigel during Cosgrave's first term, and had achieved its best-ever result in June 1927, with 12.6% of the vote and 22 seats, though this fell dramatically to 9.1% and 13 seats in September, which was the party's worst result at that point. A dramatic turnaround over the course of just a matter of months. Labour's leader, Thomas O'Connell was a teacher who had come to political prominence through the Irish National Teachers' Organisation, and gained the party leadership after his predecessor was unseated in September 1927. Labour's campaign focused on the issue of unemployment and expanding welfare support. The next largest party to enter the election was the Farmers' Party, which faced the electorate after five years of supporting Cosgrave's government. Like Labour, its recent trajectory had been downward, losing seats in both 1927 elections party in decline, its leader, Michael Heffernan, had even defected to Coombe and Nigel shortly before the election. One final party of note was the Irish Worker League, a member of the Communist International, founded in 1923 by Jim Larkin, a socialist organiser who had spent nine years in the United States as a member of the Socialist Party of America and the country's early communist movement, ending up in prison for three years after being found guilty of criminal anarchy. Larkin won the party's first seat in 1927, Who had been forced to immediately resign due to an unpaid libel charge against a fellow trade unionist leader. The election was held using single transferable vote, a broadly proportional system in place since 1921 that made it difficult for any single party to win a majority. Voting took place in 30 constituencies, with an average of five seats available in each. On election day, 1.3 million voters turned out to cast a ballot, a turnout of 76.5%, a 7.5% increase from 1927. For the first time since the emergence of the two-party system, na Nagel fell to second place with 35.2% of the vote and 57 seats. Fianna Fáil surged ahead to gain 44.5% and 72 seats, just five seats short of an overall majority, and the highest number won by any party in a contested election to this point. Though na Nagel suffered losses, the worst decline in seats was recorded by Labour, which fell to seven, losing almost half its parliamentary presence, though its vote share did hold up somewhat better at 7.7%. Included among these losses was O'Connell, whose constituency of Mayo South joined the swing towards Fianna Fall in an embarrassing defeat for his party. The Farmers' Party also endured a rebuke from the electorate, similarly losing half its parliamentary group to fall to three seats. Large parts of its support base had been squeezed between the two major parties, larger farmers tending towards Cumann na while smallholders departed for Fianna Fáil. The party would cease to exist by the end of the year. Meanwhile, the Irish Worker League failed to win any seats, falling to just 0.3% of the vote. Thus, the election helped to solidify the development of Ireland's two-party system. Finally, 14 independent candidates were also elected to the Dáil, a slight increase from 1927. Geographically, Fianna Fáil was the dominant party across much of rural Ireland, winning majorities of the vote in several counties in central and western parts of the country. Cooman na was stronger in urban areas, competing with Fianna Fáil in cities like Dublin and Cork, though the only constituency where the party gained a majority of seats available was Dublin South. Labour seats were predominantly clustered in the east, while the Farmer Party's three seats were all won in the rural southwest. This was an emphatic victory for Éamon de Valera, who reaped the rewards of a campaign tightly focused on tackling Ireland's social and economic crisis. In this sense, some historians have argued that Cosgrave's government was a casualty of the Great Depression, alongside so many other democratic governments of its age, its fate set as early as 1929. Fianna made particular gains in rural farming communities, where the issue of land annuity payments helped galvanise support. Human nagels attempts to promote a red scare around Fianna Fáil and its recent authoritarian measures were also widely perceived to have backfired, costing rather than expanding support for the party. Additionally, the pro-treaty argument, another basis for keeping Fianna Fáil out of power, had less relevance for many voters ten years on from the Civil War. Following the election, de Valera was able to form a government with Labour's support marking the beginning of 40 years of political dominance in Ireland as head of government and, ultimately, Ireland's president. Ten years on from the Civil War, political tensions were such that some Fianna Fáil members turned up to the first sitting of the Dáil carrying arms concealed under their clothes, though the Cumann and Gael government and the state's police force and army allowed the transfer of power to take place without incident. As president of the Executive Council, de Valera did not seek to instantly remove Ireland from the Anglo-Irish Treaty. The issue of partition and the status of Northern Ireland had not featured prominently in the election campaign and would not prove to be a priority for the new government. However, de Valera did begin the process of chipping away at Ireland's remaining British connections. The oath of allegiance to the monarch was abolished, constitutional references to the Privy Council were removed, and de Valera's pick for Governor-General, Donald Uwaburhala, was instructed to be seen in public as little as possible in order to reduce his position's status. Uwabuahalla would only hold one public meeting in his four years as Governor-General, and his official residence was relocated outside of Dublin, safely out of sight. Furthermore, land annuity payments to Britain were swiftly suspended. This led to a six-year trade war with Britain, in which Fianna Fáil's protectionist policies aimed to reduce Ireland's economic dependence on Britain, and forced Britain to repay considerable sums which the government claimed had been overtaxed from Ireland between 1801 and 1922 de Valera would secure an even more emphatic electoral victory the following year, providing the political mandate to reshape Ireland in his image. Taking advantage of the 1936 abdication crisis in Britain, he would rush through Ireland's modern constitution in 1937, bringing an end to the Irish Free State and replacing the Governor-General with an elected President. This paved the way for Ireland to leave the Commonwealth altogether in 1949 and gain international recognition as a republic, a move by this stage supported by both major parties. Pianna and power also consolidated the new state's social-conservative orientation, supporting bans on divorce, contraception and abortion, and endorsing the Roman Catholic Church's considerable social and political influence. The status of the Irish language also continued to be emphasised, recognised in the 1937 constitution as Ireland's national and first official language. The 1932 election marked several turning points for Ireland. The first democratic transfer of power in Irish history. Tinafall's decisive victory accelerated the country's transition to full independence under a republican system of government. Nine years after the conclusion of the Irish Civil War, members of the defeated anti-treaty faction had gained power through the ballot box. Cosgrave's consent to the transfer solidified the young state's democratic foundations, while the peaceful assumption of power by a republican party increased the state's legitimacy across Irish society. But the transfer of power was as much a response to growing socio-economic discontent as it was a new direction in post-Civil War politics. Cumann the Gael was, after all, just one of many governments in the capitalist world to collapse during the Great Depression. The election was also a key moment in the remarkable career of Éamon de Valera, already an important political figure in Ireland, who would influence his country's development throughout the 20th century more than any other figure. His victory began a combined 21 years as Ireland's Head of Government, in which he became the first leader to hold the title of Taoiseach, followed by 14 years as president in a period of public service which would last until 1973, when he finally retired at the age of 90, at that time the oldest head of state anywhere in the world. You've been listening to the Europe Elects History Corner, hosted and written by Matthew Nicholson. The managing editor and producer was Polychronis Karampoulos. The music was by Jose Alvarado, and everything we do wouldn't be possible without our patrons on Patreon.